0: Bismillah ar-Rahman ar wa ala al-Kareem, Amma abad. Alhamdulillah, tonight is the 1st of December in the year 2022. And after spending a few nights, taking a glimpse into the greatness of our exalted and unparalleled Lord Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, to so now, once again, mention a few things about our beloved messenger, So first, Abdullah ibn Abbas He relates that our beloved messenger is reported to have said, Wasallam. my name in the Quran is Muhammad, In the Injil, it is Ahmad, In the Torah." It is Uhid. I was called Uhid because I direct my nation away from the fire. So, so this is recorded in Ibn Asakir in his Tariq Dimashq, Ibn Adi Tahdib Tariq Dimashq 1-275, Hafiz Zahabi in his Mizan al-I'tidal 1-184. He states in the chain is Ishaq Ibn Bishr who is fatally weak. So, in terms of authenticity, this narration has a serious weakness. However, if you look at the whole text, it is confirmed by other reports. So, here in this report, the Prophet mentioned that he has been mentioned in three of the holy scriptures. He goes, In the Quran, I am called Muhammad. So, this is fascinating. So, obviously, who called him Muhammad? In the worldly sense, it was his grandfather, abdul Muttalib. But of course, the Qur'an is the eternal speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in reality, Allah called him Muhammad. Because he said, my name in the Qur'an is Muhammad. And then he mentions that in the Injil, my name is Ahmad. And of course, famously in the Qur'an, Isa salatu wasalam gave the great blood tidings of a prophet to come after me whose name is Ahmad so obviously Injil but then he mentions wasalam, in the Torah which was given to Musa salatu I am called Uhid and then he went on to explain I was called Uhid because I direct my nation away from the fire meaning this is an attribute of mine I I take people away from the fire. Our beloved messenger also said, Verily I am but a mercy gifted. Verily I, I am but a mercy gifted. This is in Behaki in his Dalai il So, what does this mean? I am but a mercy gifted. Sheikh Abu al Abbas al Mursi, he explained. All the prophets, والسلام, were given to their people, but our Prophet وسلم, was gifted. The distinction between the two is that a thing is given to those in need, where is a thing is gifted to those who are beloved. So this is the problem. We hear famous reports, but do we get commentary? Hmm? And without commentary, you don't really get anything from the report of the Prophet So what did he say? I am but a mercy gifted. So a person goes, that's straightforward. Is it straightforward?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I am but a mercy gifted. He's not straightforward in the least. And the commentators, they make the fine distinction. He goes, when something is given, that means you are in need. The prophets, salatu were given to their people because the people were in need. But a thing is gifted to those who are beloved. And the Prophet said, I am a mercy gifted. Meaning that we, his ummah, are the ones who are most fortunate. Because our Prophet was given as a gift. He wasn't given. <laughs> so the response there is, why are we so dear to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? It's because of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa hmm. Subhanallah, how can we thank our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala enough for putting us into the ummah of His Beloved hmm. sallallahu alayhi wa his status, Hafiz ibn Taymiyyah said something very interesting, rahmatullahi alayhi. in his work, As-salim al-maslool ala shatim al rasul 3-808. So Hafiz ibn Taymiyyah said, rahmatullahi alayhi. Allah the Almighty and Glorious, He differentiated between offending him, وسلم, and offending the believers. So Ibn Taymiyyah, rahmatullah said, if you offend the Prophet وسلم, and you offend the believers, Allah has separated them. Where? In Surah Al Ahzab, Surah 33, verse 57 and 8, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says, الله <laughs> في verily those who annoy you, Allah subhanahu wa taala and his messenger Allah then Allah subhanahu wa taala has cursed them in this world and in the hereafter. And he has prepared for them a humiliating torment. <laughs> and those who annoy the believing men and women undeservedly bear on themselves the crime of slander and a clear sin. After reciting these verses, even Ibn Taymiyyah, he said, these verses clearly indicate that the had punishment for the one who slanders him is execution.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Where is the had punishment for the one who slanders anyone else is flogging. Subhanallah. Mm-hmm. So Allah the Almighty and Glorious He's telling you in the Quran mm-hmm. clearly the Prophet is on some other pedestal sallallahu And what does he say? He goes, Those who annoy Allah and His Messenger. So, straight away, look at His status. Allah has put Him with Himself. Mm -hmm. He doesn't say Allah then His Messenger. He goes, Allah and His Messenger. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then, three things will happen to them. If you annoy Rasulullah, you're cursed in the world. Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. you You are cursed in the next. and he has prepared for them a humiliating punishment so think about that if you want to be dumb completely annoy the prophet <laughs> but then in the next verse look at the change in the tone those who annoy believing men and women undeservedly they bear on themselves this crime of slander and plain sin where's all the curses go <laughs> Taala starts off both verses, in ladina Allah, hmm. al But there are no curses when you annoy the believing men and women. <laughs> Allah merely says you have committed a crime of slander and it is a sin. So Ibn Taymiyyah said, this shows his status. <laughs> the had punishment is a f- uh, is given to the one who slanders him. <laughs> Execution. But the hard punishment for you if you slander anybody else is only flogging. In addition to the fact that Allah, the Almighty and Glorious, has likened annoying him وسلم, to annoying his own parallel self. If somebody goes, You've annoyed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What a huge crime. By annoying the Prophet, you're doing this as well, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. This is similar to the holy verse in which Allah the Almighty and Glorious says, again, distinguishing the Prophet in Surah al zumar Surah 39, verse 30. <laughs> verily, you will die and verily, they will die. So now what's strange? In any language you translate this verse It seems like a redundant statement In any language you could easily say Well you will all die You know why have you isolated somebody <laughs> Verily you will die Who's you? <laughs> Rasulullah Why has Allah separated him? <laughs> then he says Wa And verily they will die this indicates that our beloved messenger's passing was unlike any other human being. For if that were the case, our Lord would have mentioned them together, but he has not. The significance being that he has the most exalted state in the Barzakh and is experiencing a life even greater than the Blessed martyrs as is but obvious to any with sense. So now, if you look very simply at the Quran, Allah mentions about the martyrs (coughs) two things. He says, do not think or do not say that they are are dead. In another verse, Allah says, do not even think this. (coughs) So you can't think they're dead and you can't say they're dead. So a person goes, "But haven't they experienced death? You can't say that. Allah says, do not say that the martyrs are dead. Or do not even think they're dead. So if somebody goes, his Hams are dead, and you say, no, he's martyred. So why are we not allowed to say that? Allah told us that. Rasulullah, his state is far beyond this. So now look at the scholars, how they differentiate. So this quote is in a work called Ab i e Hayat, page 218 to 220. It's an Urdu work. And what does that translate into? Ab i e Hayat. He is now alive. Mm-hmm. Sheikh al Ahadith Mawlana Muhammad Idris Kandahiri bin Ahmadullah in his Seed Al Mustafa, volume 3, page 267 to 8 of the English translation. So this Sheikh, again, sadly, is a come thing. Some people don't refer to him as a skadah. When Mawlana Muhammad Qasim Nanotwi, alayhi, he said, In summary, there is a world of difference between the passing of the prophets, والسلام, and that of ordinary believers. Because their passing and believers pulls apart. In the case of the prophets, والسلام, their passing is hidden Whilst in the case of ordinary believers, death puts an end to life. So you have to explain what he's what, what is he talking about. Is when the prophets taste death, it goes a veil comes between the living. Most of you can't see now. But when a normal believer dies, he's dead. He's gone. Then he said, it is probably for this reason, that when Allah the Almighty addressed His Messenger وسلم, and the believers about their deaths, He did it by separating. And He mentioned this verse, which I've just recited. He first addressed His Messenger "Inna ميت, inna You are certainly to die. Hmm. He then addresses the believers, innahum And they are certainly to die. Surah 39 verse 30. He completed his table by saying, Thumma innakum yawm inda You will all then dispute before your Lord on the day of resurrection. Hmm. Look how interesting. Why does Allah, Allah mention that at the end of the verse? You will all dispute before your Lord on the day of resurrection. Hmm. Because you dispute, you're going to dispute about this. Allah out I, I will sort it out. Hmm. Then the Shaykh said, In the latter statement, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses everyone. He could have done the same in the previous statement. He could have said, for instance, Inna kum You are all going to die. However, he addressed his messenger, and the general believers separately, in order to show the difference in their deaths. Similarly, Just as there is a difference in the life of Rasulullah and the ordinary believers and just as there is a difference in the sleep of Rasulullah and the ordinary believers when he said in Sayyid Bukhari My eyes sleep but my heart does not. Similarly the eyes of the Prophet sleep but their heart does not. In like manner, there is a difference between the death of Rasulullah sallallahu and that of ordinary believers. So, why does he mention that? Is Rasulullah sleep like a normal human? No. Because he goes, my eyes sleep, my heart doesn't. Because he everybody you should know that report. Yes, no you don't. Because what is sleep? Sleep is death. So what was the Prophet telling you about himself? My death isn't like your death. The shaykh then said, Sleep, the Prophet some said, Sleep is the twin brother of death. <laughs> Recorded in Ibn Adi Abu Naim and Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullah alayhi state sahih in as sahihah number 1087. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah 39 verse 42, Allah <laughs> yetwaffal anfusah heena mowtihah lam tamut Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes away the souls when the time for their death arrives and those that do not die he takes them away in their sleep then the sheikh said since the soul of the ordinary believer is dead and held back at the time of dreams their perception and feelings are incapacitated but this does not happen to the prophets when they are dreaming (laughs) alayhi wa It is for this reason there is no difference between the dreams of prophets and the divine revelation they receive when they are fully awake. Their dreams are equal to divine revelation when they are fully awake. The narration of Ibrahim and Ismail is testimony to this. When the former said to his son, Surah 37 verse 102, Verily, I see in a dream that I am slaughtering you. Those inform me what you have to say in this regard. The intellectual and perceptual capabilities of ordinary believers is incapacitated when they are dreaming. Whereas the intellectual capabilities of the prophets remain intact when they are dreaming. So the Shaykh is basically highlighting from the Quran and the Sunnah that the Prophet in fact, all the Prophets, their death is completely different than ours. And, he's quoting proof after proof from the Quran and the Sunnah. Allah just simply says, you will taste death and they will also taste death. He separated him. Highlighting there's something unique about the Prophet. And The prophets, in extension, <laughs> his status can also be determined from the fact. And also, just to add, you can go on and on with regards to the passing of the prophets. <laughs> the martyrs are alive, obviously, the Quran says. But what happens to their wives? So they become widows, and then you, after a period of Idda, you can marry the widows of the martyrs. Can you marry the wives of the Prophets?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Why? But
1: mm-hmm.
0: well, on the martyrs are mm-hmm. the, the what's, what's like, alive. You know? MashaAllah. So the lives of the Prophets are far greater. That's what you learn from that. You don't go into yeah. the physics of it. Mm-hmm. When the martyrs leave the world, what happens to their wealth? Distributed. Inheritance. When the prophets leave the world, what happens to their wealth? No. Because what we leave behind is charity. Nobody takes it. So somebody goes, why? Because they're alive. salatu So if you look at whatever angle you look at, it's like, how are you the same as the Prophet? So why is Allah giving all these unique commands to the Prophets, Because he's highlighting that their passing is also amazing. And this is why if you listen very carefully to those with deep understanding, when they talk about the passing of the Prophet, they start using strange words to many. They'll start saying his apparent passing. And when the veil came between us and him, and they refuse to use the word death. And when you listen, you're thinking, why is he using these fancy words? Or why is she using these? He's not using or she's not using fancy words. They're trying to explain something to you. But unfortunately, we're just used to bringing him down to our level. Mm. The Prophet died. Mm. Right? Okay then, what does that mean? Mm. Well, he died. Everybody dies. Mm. So, he's like me. And you? Yeah? Mm. So, what is the difference between you and Shaitan? Mm. Right? So, note, when it comes to the Prophets, that's why the Hadith mentions the Prophets are alive in their graves and they are praying. Mm. And also, the reports mention that they are fasting. Another report mentions they are enjoying the pleasures of a living person. Another report mentions they're doing tawaf. Are you doing tawaf in the grave? Right? Right? So no again, why so there you go. Also, when you go to the Prophets, you give them salam. Right? Why do you give them salaam? Right? Is it just a ritual? The Prophet said, "My soul returns to me." Does your soul return <laughs> when people give you salam in the grave? Right. So again, not you know, preposterous, yeah. and yeah, all of this is explaining somewhat his incredible status in the sight of Almighty Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. And also, just to add this, after the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, so this was the distinguishing uh, rank between the Sahabah. Allah, the Almighty and Glorious, mentions in Surah Al Hadith, those of you who fought and spent before the victory are greater. Mm. The victory here is the Treaty of Hudaybiyah. But Allah then says, But to all I have promised Husna, Paradise. Mm. So the Sahaba, they were all given Jannah, the stamp of Paradise. But the Treaty of Hudaybiyah was the distinguishing fight between their ranks. Mm. So when that blessed treaty was signed, our beloved messenger now neutralized the Goresh. don't the unbelieving quraysh they were neutralized. So he could now send the message to the rest of the world. So he sent letters with companions inviting the rulers of the world. Now what's strange, this never happened in the past, because there was no universal prophet. <laughs> we're going through the prophet's life as if it's, you know, it's happening all the time. That is now what's strange. No Prophet ever did that. There wasn't their Monday. His Monday now was shown because now he's sending letters or something happened. In Ibn Sa'd in his Tabakad, volume 2, page 23, Imam Sayyuti in his al Khassai Al-Qubra, volume 2, page 11, and others, the companions who were given the letters thereupon miraculously were gifted with the language of the land they were sent to. So what were the languages all of us soon started coming? One was Latin imagine sahaba going you know to and all the rest of it right Byzantium mm-hmm. Egypt click clock you do know, not even how they speak right one sahaba started speaking another went to Persia Farsi started speaking Farsi mm-hmm. another one went to Abyssinia mm-hmm. it's both their language Where, which course did they go on mm-hmm. so imagine the four sahaba one of them was a Badri right <laughs> and also one was Dihya Al-Qalbi the one who looked like Jibreel they were all very handsome. The Prophet always sent handsome companions, very eloquent, because they represent Islam. Now, according to some people, prophets have MashaAllah. So they were speaking languages. Imagine all of a sudden. So now something very interesting needs to be pointed out here, apart from the miracle. Sheikh Abul Hassan Ali Nadwi, he relates in his work. Nabi Rahmah, the Prophet of Mercy, sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, page 256 of the English translation. Someone mindful of the political map of the world in the 7th century and the power and splendor of the ambitious monarchs who had divided the world amongst themselves would arrive at but one conclusion that only a man sent by God on a mission would dare to summon the imperial autocrats to put their trust in his prophethood. Such a man had to have not the least doubt in the success of his mission, nor a speck of fear in his heart. He had to possess such a glowing conviction in the glory and majesty of the Almighty that the proudest sovereign was to him not a wit more than an illusory puppet going through the motions of grandeur. So what was, he was, was the shaykh talking about? He's basically saying, Naboth. <laughs> if somebody goes, how do you know that, you know, you're a Muslim, you were born Muslim, but how are you certain he was a prophet? He sent letters uh, to the rulers of the world, inviting them to his prophethood. <laughs> they don't get it. Why? Because who's acquainted with 7th century world political affairs? <laughs> And you say, oh, right. okay, sorry. Who was the world power at the time? It was the Romans. You go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, watched, I watched them, yeah, you watched films good, right? So the Romans ruled maybe half the world. Who were the other superpower? Persia, Right. So, and who else? You know, maybe some of the, you know, a bit lesser than them. But that, who were the Arabs? Nobody's. Everybody just left them. Because who wants to rule these people? Look at their land, desert. From that, God forsaken place, as they would say. All of a sudden, imagine the Persian emperor gets a letter. Just, you know, how much would you have paid to see this shekel, his image? What's this? And he goes, This is an uh, Arab. What does he want? He got a letter for So when it's translated, I invite you to Islam. I am the messenger of Allah. If he was a fake, why is he sent a letter to the Persian Emperor? That's just madness. At the same time, not you know two weeks later, same time Roman Emperor Caesar was this. Same time Abyssinians, same time Egyptians. What does that tell you? The Sheikh was saying Nabood. And did they treat it with respect? They were very intelligent, except the Persians, unfortunately. They looked at the letter. <laughs> the Egyptians sent gifts back. The Roman Emperor said, tell your master we've looked after his letter. And the Abyssinians, Negas had embraced Islam. This was another leader at the time. Persians ripped the letter off. And what did the Prophet say? Because he's ripped his kingdom up to pieces. And that shows the status of Rasulullah. His letter was torn. Allah destroyed the Persian Empire. <laughs> What's happened to it? <laughs> Why did the Romans linger on? Because they didn't read the letter of the Prophet Because Look at the status of the Prophet And the Sheikh says, anybody with any iota of sense will look at this and say, he must be a prophet. <laughs> and the people who put their trust in him, they truly had their trust in him. Would you dare do that? <clears throat> If you had doubts about the one who you profess to be a Prophet, I'm not taking this letter. My head's coming off. <laughs> they went <laughs> and miraculously the language was given also by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. <laughs> so whatever angle you look at our beloved Messenger <laughs> you realize that he truly was Uheed. Allah. <laughs> a either one who saves the people or turns them away from the fire. <laughs> but any questions? Letters. Subhanallah bihamdika Allahumma bihamdika ashroo la ilahi illallah astaghfirika wa tuhu the wa bi'lamein al-shaykhim Subhanallah rabbika rabbalizdi
1: amma yasalimu in the lafiyu wa